Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Anybody know the name Harry Houdini? Does that name ring a bell? Famous magician, escape artist, years ago. He, he bragged that he could get out of any jail. This was, this was years ago before a lot of the jails were electronic. But he bragged he could get out of any, if he walked in with his street clothes, he could get out of any jail in America. And uh, there was a, an old jail down south, had some old locks, and, and they, uh, they took him up on that. They invited him down, the news was there, he was, he was a real showman, he was a real marketer. And so he confidently walks in with just his coat and his, his street clothes on. He walks in, and they close the doors behind him. He takes off his coat, and then he takes off his belt. And hidden inside his belt was a 10-inch piece of metal, very strong, very flexible. And he began to work on that lock. After about 30 minutes, the, the confident swagger had left his face. After an hour, he is bathed in sweat, and he still is not getting out. And after two hours, in apparent defeat, he just collapses against the door, and it opened. (laughs) Because it had never been locked. They put him in there and forgot to lock the doors. But it was locked in his mind. And if it's locked in his mind, he worked on it, he treated it, it was completely locked. This morning, as we're doing our series, A Different Year, this morning I want to talk about thinking differently. Because it's amazing how many things that we think are locked and are unapproachable or impossible or unbreakable. But God says, i I got a different thought for you. And we want to learn to think differently. We want to learn to think differently. There's areas that how we think that impacts us. How you think about your person. How you think about yourself. Well, a lot of times people think, well, here here I am and I'm this age and I do this and here are my strengths and here are my weaknesses. But how you see yourself and how you think about yourself is very important in terms of how you handle life. There was a a long-distance trucker who pulled into an all-night truck stop to get a bite to eat one night. He's just sitting at the counter having a, a, a meal and just enjoying the solitude and being out of the truck and, and uh, eating some burger and fries. And uh, uh, four bike, outlaw bikers walk in. They were loud. They'd been partying. They decided to come in and get something to eat. And they, uh, they were over in the table just talking real loud and kind of creating a ruckus. And they said something to the, to the trucker, and he ignored them, just kept eating. And that really made the leader mad, big guy. He gets up and he walks over and he reaches down with his hands. He grabs a whole handful of the guy's french fries, takes a big bite and drops them in his lap. Then he takes the the trucker's hat off. He grabs his hamburger and he takes a big bite out of the hamburger. Then he mashes the hamburger into the hat and puts the hat back on his head and mashes it on his head. Well, all his buddies, they're all laughing. The trucker just sits there and continues to eat and he gets up and he kind of cleans himself off as much as he could, pays for his meal, left a tip, and walked out. When the server came back around, she, she's a lady that's seen it all, kind of a tough lady. She's pouring coffee, and the, and the leader of the, of the biker group, he said, uh, 
You see that guy right there, that trucker? He said, he ain't much of a man, is he? She just didn't even look at him. She just kept pouring coffee. She said, well, I don't know if he's much of a man, but I can tell you he's not much of a driver. He ran over three Harleys on his way out of here. <laughs> you got to know who you are as a person, what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. And he obviously knew his strengths as a truck. You got to understand how you think about your problems. How do you think about your problems and the situation that you're in, the situations that you're facing? How do you think about them? Are they... Are they insurmountable? Are they too big? Are they bigger than you? Are they something that's, that's going to only temporary that you're going to get past them? You say, does it matter how I think? It matters a lot how you think. How you think about your problems often determines how long they stay in your life. Joe and I have talked about problems that we've encountered over the years. And we've said that a lot of times that the, the problem itself wasn't the problem, but how we thought about it was the problem and how we extended it was the problem. So how you think about problems is impactful. How you think about the possibilities in your life? What are the possibilities that exist for you? Not just the dreams, but what are the possibilities for you as a person, for your situations, for the things that you're in? What are those possibilities? Your person, your problems, and your possibilities. Well, you say, well, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever really spent a lot of time consciously thinking about these things. And yet, it's important to do that. And there's a gift that God has given us to help us with, his, with our thinking. And it's his word. His word is not just a duty. You know, you're always hearing me talk about, Alan, you're always talking about reading your Bible. Yeah, as long as you ever listen to me, if I'm taking a breath, I'm going to talk to you about reading your Bible. Because it's not a box you check. It's a life source for you. And it's a life source, not just for your heart, but it's also a life source for impacting how you think. Because how you think is real, real important. You know, Paul wrote Timothy. He loved Timothy. Timothy was like a, a son to him, and he wrote Timothy. And this is what he said. He said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Meditate on these things. He was saying, use, he's saying, use these things that I've given you, Timothy, as a template to begin to think on these things, begin to think in line with these things. You say, well, you know, I, I don't, is that important? Real important. You know, today we're dealing with the idea of, of what they call triggers, things that trigger thought. Uh, they did a study a few years ago in a grocery store, and they, they played, instead of taking that, you know the music they play in grocery stores that, you can hear all the time. But well, they took that out and they substituted French music for it. And so French music is playing and they notice that the uptick in people buying French wine was increased. So they said, well, let's, let's see if this was kind of a, an abnormality. So they played German music. And they noticed that when they played German music, that the uptick in German wine and beer picked up. Wonder what would have happened if they played country music in there. <laughs> Probably an increase in Kleenex. But, I, 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 but the idea is, what is it? What, what is the trigger? 1997, Mars Candy Bar Company noticed that they had a huge surge in sales. Their sales had spiked. They hadn't changed their marketing plan, so they wondered what had happened. But in 1997, NASA launched the Pathfinder, and the Pathfinder's mission was a mission to Mars. And so the Mars trigger triggered off in people. Well, you know, we've got all kinds of input coming in today. You know that. 
Input's coming in, some of it's good, a lot of it's not. What kind of things is it triggering? So if I know that input is causing triggers in my thoughts and changing my thoughts and it could even change my behavior, then I want to make sure that the input I've got coming in is good input. And I won't, and God's word, there's nothing better than God's word. Because what that is, is that's thinking on a higher level. That's actually thinking on a spiritual level. And it's thinking not just about God, but also about what he says about us. It's changing the way we think. We're always having to make adjustments in that. You say, do we ever get to the place, Alan, where we don't have to make adjustments in our Christian life? No. We're always making adjustments. No one, not joy, not anyone you know, has reached Christ-like perfection. We're all making adjustments. Certainly not Michael, but we're all having to make adjustments. <laughs> and, the, and the idea is if we can adjust by the right things. I don't want just the news triggering my thoughts. I don't want just negative people triggering my thoughts. I want God's word triggering my thoughts about what he says and what he's doing. We make adjustments. There's a great story in the Bible about a man who made adjustments. He, uh, he had a problem with his son. His son was demon-oppressed, or actually possessed. And he had brought him to Jesus, and Jesus wasn't there. He was actually on the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark chapter 9. So Jesus comes back downstairs, or back down off the mountain, and he sees his disciples, and he sees scribes, and they're all talking with Jesus, and there's a big uh, conflict going on. So let's read what happens here. Jesus, Jesus had asked them, what's going on? He said, one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to, to him. And when he, the, the boy, saw him, Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground, wallowing, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him in both into the water and into the fire to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter no more. Enter him no more. I'll read just, I'll just, spoiler alert. Jesus said that. The spirit came out and the boy was completely delivered. But as we look at the story, I, I, I don't want to focus so much on that part as, as what I want to focus on the adjustment that the father had to make. And he had been living with this problem for a long time. I, I don't know about you, but when you've got a problem that stares you in the face for a long time, that's not a good feeling. And what can happen is you can begin to start, stop in thinking that possibilities don't exist. That's why I love that song you guys sang this morning. Now we're going to believe it. God can do impossible things. We're going to believe that God can do what nobody else can do. Yeah. And, but, but oftentimes when you've been looking at a problem for a long time, and it's a long situation, it's a long situation, after a while, if you're not careful, you can give it up. And I can tell you as a parent, and those of you who have loved ones, there's no more helpless feeling in the world than you have a loved one who's hurting and you can't help them. And this father couldn't help this boy. And from a childhood, they've had to watch this kid because he would, he would just all of a sudden run off and throw himself into the water and they have to pull him out. 
or he'd throw himself into the fire and they'd have to pull him out. I say, well, Alan, you know, I'm glad that today we live in a day where we, we don't have demonic oppression. Are you kidding me? Listen, just because we've gotten educated doesn't mean Satan does not exist and demonic oppression does not exist. And if you understand that, it makes it a lot easier to understand why some of the incredible, horrible, negative things take place. Because no one in their right mind is going to throw themselves into a fire or into water. And this boy was from a child, a little child. He's doing that. So this father had become pretty much entrenched in this problem. It was just, it was all he could see. But he brings him to Jesus' disciples and they couldn't do anything. Jesus comes down and interjects himself into the situation. What's going on? There was conflict going on because the disciples could not get this boy delivered. And now you had the scribes disputing with him. Listen, there were people who did not like Jesus when he was on the earth. And the scribes and the Pharisees did not like him. And so if his disciples couldn't cast them out, you can imagine that the conflict was around, if Jesus is so right, then why can't you help this boy? And Jesus then interjects himself into the situation, and he says the smartest thing, he said, bring him to me. Hey, listen, when everything else fails, bring him to Jesus. When doctors tell you they can't do anything, bring him to Jesus. When they tell you there is no hope, thank God there is always hope, bring him to Jesus. And they brought this boy to Jesus, and all of a sudden, he, so he hits the ground and he's foaming and he's wallowing. Can you imagine this as a parent? This is painful. And uh, you can hear the desperation in the father. If you can do anything. Now he's saying this to Jesus. If you can do anything, help us. Have some compassion on us. Help us. And uh, I don't think that he was trying to be unkind to Jesus. I think this man had tried everything he could. And he didn't know what else to do. Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. That's not a ringing endorsement of faith. But when Jesus looked at this father, and he didn't rebuke him, he didn't go, if I can do anything, what are you talking about? I'm the son of God. You crazy? He, he didn't say that. He said, he basically looked at his father and said, I'm going to need something from you. Can you believe? He didn't ask him to heal the boy. He just said, can you believe? He didn't ask him to do anything he couldn't do. He didn't ask him to do anything beyond the scope of his possibility. Can you believe? And this, uh, this man makes a great adjustment. He cries out immediately, Lord, I believe. And then he realizes, man, I've been dealing with this a long time. His heart said, Lord, I believe. His head goes, I got a problem here. Can you help me with my unbelief? I love the fact that Jesus didn't go, well, nope, you didn't do it perfect. We're done. Jesus met this man right where he was. He was battling with his heart and with his head. His heart was believing. His head was giving him problems. And Jesus met him right there and had mercy on that boy and delivered that boy. Aren't you glad he's still a deliverer today? That he can still work with people today. That he can still help people today that doctors have thrown their hands up and said it won't help. I remember when we were in a situation in our family where they weren't giving us a lot of hope and they weren't, they weren't looking when one of our children was going through a difficult time and nobody was giving us much hope that it was ever going to get better, that it was ever going to turn around. But I got, I got good news for you. Jesus can still make a difference. He made a difference then. He made a difference now. And he can make a difference for you. But one of the things we're going to have to do is we have to change the way we think about things. We're going to have to make adjustments 
in our thinking. Right thinking helps with right believing. And so when our, our thinking becomes in line with him, well, that's, that, that's such a help. One of the things we have to begin to do is we have to learn to think beyond the situation. See, a lot of times we just see the situation, we get fixated, it's this. And we have to think beyond it. Paul wrote the, wrote the church at, at Corinth and said this, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He's saying there's, there's something more beyond this. Remember years ago, they, they, hundreds of years ago, there were most of the people, if you talked to them and said, is the earth around? They would look at you like, you're crazy. The earth is flat. And for years, that's what all the top scientists said. That's what everyone said. The earth is flat until someone figured out and they looked at the curvatures, they looked at things and go, oh, the earth is round. But you know, that was a new thought. And that was considered blasphemous, that the earth is round. People, because they know it, it it's this. Well, no, it's not. There's something beyond. You know, for years, we've looked at black holes in space. And we've said, that is a black hole. There's nothing there. Things go there, they disappear until we got a stronger telescope. And then we saw, ooh, there's whole galaxies out there. We're not looking at just what is. We have to learn to look about what's beyond that. Paul said, don't just look at the things that are seen. Things that are seen are temporary. But what happens is we get fixated on what's the present. This is what it is. We hear people say, it is what it is. Ever heard anyone say that? It is what it is. That's kind of like the, that's not a scripture. That's a resignation. That's a, I'm not going to do anything. It is what it is. Are, are you sure? Because God may have something different to say about that. But when we fixate on things as they are now, then we're not even seeing that there's anything more there. And the longer we fixate it on, the more a problem it becomes. A, a professor one time in, in a college class held a glass of water overhead, just regular glass. She said, how heavy is this glass? And students began to shout out, 12 ounces, 14 ounces. She, she finally, she, she kept her glass there. She said, you know, it's really not how, how heavy the glass is. She said, the, the real key is how long do I keep it here? She said, if I keep it here for a minute, it's not a problem. So if I keep it here for an hour, my arm's going to start to hurt. So if I keep this glass here above my head, held above my head for a whole day, I'm going to have cramps. My arm's going to be like useless for the rest of the day. It's going to be too difficult. It's not how heavy it is. It's how long I keep it there. She said, in life, you're going to face frustrations and worries and negative thoughts. She said, the key is how long are you going to keep it? She said, if you fixate on it for just a, a, a little bit, it doesn't do much damage. You fix on it for, for an hour, it's going to do more damage. You fix on it, fixate on it for a day, it does a lot more damage. If you keep going over and looping the same problem over and over and over again, that's when it becomes a big problem. So the key is we have to begin to change the way we think because those negative, hurtful, wrong thoughts are not helping us. And we have to be able to look beyond that. Does God say anything more than what we're simply facing right here? Is there another realm? Is there another dimension? Can we think beyond that? A number of years ago, we watched something, and it, uh, it, was, a, it was a show. And uh, I began to think about the show, and, and I hadn't thought about it in years. But I thought, what we really need in our lives is an intervention in our thoughts. You ever seen some of the shows where they intervene in people's lives? They do an intervention. A number of years ago, my daughter, all my kids are getting hit today except Matt. Matt's in the Dominican Republic. 
he's doing a mission trip down there, so the other children, it's your turn in the barrel. But uh, <laughs> my, my daughter, when she lived with us, could find, she could find some of the most worthless, worthless television to watch of, of anybody I've ever seen. We came in there one day, and she's like, oh, you've got, you guys have got to see this. I said, what is it? She said, it's about this little girl, and she's in the beauty pack. She was watching Honey Boo Boo. Remember Honey Boo Boo? <laughs> I'm like, really? That's helpful? And then she watched all the teen mom shows, and I'm like, wow. So she found a show, and she wanted us to watch it. It's called What Not to Wear. <laughs> Anybody remember What Not to Wear? Yes. Okay, so in What Not to Wear, the idea is, is that you would write in the show and say, hey, my sister-in-law, she's wonderful, but she dresses horribly. Or, hey, I've got a buddy, and he's such a great guy, but he dresses so poorly that he needs an intervention. And these two fashionistas would come in, and uh, a guy and a girl, I think, and, and they would come in, <laughs> and, and they would... Uh, <laughs> don't, let, don't let it be the only thing you remember from this message, all right? <laughs> They would come in and, and they, would, they, would inter, they would intervene. Of course, they knew they were going to be intervening. Would catch them. If two strangers with, with cameras caught me on the, side of, of, of the, on the sidewalk, you can bet I'm not in. I'm, I'm, I'm out. But they're like, oh, we're going to do an intervention and your friend wrote and we need, we're going to help you. And they're like, oh, yeah, great. And, and they're like, but here's, what, here's the deal. We're going we're gonna to give you $5,000 for a new wardrobe. Now, this show started running in 2003. So we're talking almost 20 years ago. That's a lot of money. $5,000 for a new wardrobe. Yay. But here's the caveat. We get to go in your closet and throw away everything that doesn't work for you. And that's where the rub came. You know, all shows have to have a little bit of conflict, especially reality shows. That's where the conflict was. They would go into their closet, and man, the battle was on. Like, we're going to get you a new wardrobe. They're like, great. But they's like, honey... This dress was sequins and, and, and fur and flowers. And, and, and no, this doesn't work for you. And they're like, but it's my favorite dress. Well, it's horrible looking. And it goes out. Or they, or they go to the guy and they go, hey, this Guns N' Roses t-shirt with holes under the underarms, that's not going to work for you at your workplace. You need to, they're like, it's my favorite t-shirt. No, it needs to go out. And they would take those clothes. And man, that, it was, it, the fight was on. Because people wanted to hold on to those clothes that they were comfortable with. As I, as I was, and then, well, and here's how it wound up. And then they would spend $5,000. They'd been all these fashion consultants in. They would do makeovers and everything, and they would live happily ever after. So <laughs> that's not really how it was, but it, 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 it was a change. And I thought, you know what we need? We need a Holy Spirit thought intervention. Where the Holy Spirit comes in your life and go. Mm. you're thinking wrong. We need to throw out this thought that says God doesn't love you. We need to throw out this thought that says God won't hear your prayers. We need to throw out this thought that says you're really not that much and you really don't have that much potential. But the problem is we've gotten comfortable with these thoughts. And we're like, no, don't throw that thought out. No, don't throw that thought out. Guys, we, we, need, we need some new thoughts. And we need, we need thoughts that are Holy Spirit inspired. Because that Guns N' Roses t-shirt that you want to hang on to, no, God's got something much better that looks better on you. And what we have to begin to go is go, well, God, if I'm not going to think that, what, I, what am I going to think? 
And he says, I'm glad you asked. It's right here. In Hebrews, writer of Hebrews wrote, said, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word's not a duty. It's not a drudgery. It's not a chore. It's given to us to change us, to feed us, and to help us know how to think and to think God's thoughts about what he thinks about you. So we, we begin to take his thoughts and replace them. Replace our thoughts that are not good, that are not helping us, that are not moving us forward. We begin to replace them. Is that an easy process? No, it's not. I'll just tell you right now, it's not. But we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to challenge that. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to change that. I know I've been selfish all my life, and I believe I can become a generous, loving, giving person. That's a new thought. I know I've been afraid all my life, but I can become someone who is not afraid of any situation and to walk in anything. That's a completely new thought. So we have to begin to say, I need a thought intervention. And then we'll have to ask ourselves two questions. The question is, the first one is, what are the possibilities in my life? What's possible? We well, say, I know it's possible. It's possible for me to win the Powerball, clear $100 million, buy a ranch in the hill country, and retire early. That's possible? No, that's a fantasy. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about possibilities. What's possible for you inside of your situation? And you say, well, I really don't know what those are, Alan. I, I never have really, no one ever taught me how to think positively or, or think along those lines. Where do I even start? Listen, we start, with, we start with God's promises. God's promises are where our possibilities begin. God's promises are where our possibilities begin. Let me, let me give, show you a verse. This is a, Peter was writing here, and, he, and he's writing to the church. He said, it's his divine power, God's divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, God, who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. You see, it says exceedingly great and precious promises. This is what... This is what has been given to us. So we read the Bible. We just read a promise. We don't go, oh, that's nice. We go, oh, no, that's given to me. You know, last year, at the end of last year, I encouraged, and I've talked a little bit about it this year, I've encouraged people to, find, to believe those five things. And, and what I'm going to do is get them, make sure that they're up on uh, uh, social media this, this week. Five things. That, one, God is, God is for me. Five things to believe this year. God is for me. Number two, God is with me and he's helping me. Number three, sin and sickness will not dominate me. Number four, I can sow seeds and reap a harvest. Number five, I am not afraid. We say, well, how, how can I even believe that? I can believe that because I have God's word on that. How can I begin to think that? I can begin to think that because I have scripture for every one of those. And I begin to take those scripture that said, if God is for me, who can be against me? And I begin to think, God is for me. Who can be against me? I have scripture that said that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I begin to think God's not the one making me afraid. I have a, the Holy Spirit on the inside of me is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I can begin to think that way. 
I can begin to think that if I sow seeds, I'm going to reap a harvest. Not just financial seeds. If I sow service, if I sow kindness, if I sow love, if I sow faithfulness, there's a harvest coming back to me because if you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully and that works for me. I can believe that if God is, is with me and that he will never leave me or forsake me so I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. I can believe that himself took my took my sins in his own body on the cross and I died to sin and I'm alive to righteousness and by his stripes I am healed. I can believe these scriptures and it causes me to think. Well, you, you say, well, five is too much. Well, take one and get one and begin to say, Lord, I, help me. Help me in this. What are the possibilities? What am I going to believe? Because right thinking Helps right believing. You say, well, Alan, I, man, I'm so far behind on this. Listen, listen, don't, don't, don't think that Jesus is looking at you with his arms crossed going, I wish you get it, dummy. That is not how he talks. He'll take every step you take and he'll meet you right there. All you have to do is say, Lord, help me. I, I want to change how I think about my relationships, about you, about life, about my potential, about my possibilities. Man, they're so big because God's big and God said some wonderful things about you. There was a, a minister, true story, minister in Southern California who talked about a lady that he knew that was in a mental sanitarium for years. She was suffering from extreme depression. She, every day she would sit on a bench outside and just stare at the ground. She wouldn't talk to anyone. She wouldn't respond to anyone, and she'd been that way for years. Just sat there for years. No response out of her for years, nothing. One day a new doctor arrived on the scene. He's walking around meeting new, all, the, all the residents, and he walks up to her and he goes, hello, how are you doing today? No response. Said, isn't it a, a wonderful day? No response. He says, my name is Dr. Heaven. H-E-V-E-N. What is your name? No response. He said, well, he, he hadn't read her file. He didn't know anything about her. But he just figured, okay, this is one of the patients I'm going to be dealing with. He said, well, I hope you have a great day, and I'll see you tomorrow. And he turned to walk away, and she looked at him, and she said, hey, what did you say your name was? If he'd have realized, if he'd have read her file, he realized that's the first time she'd spoken in years. She said, what did you say your name was? He turned around and said, Dr. Heaven, H-E-V-E-N. And somewhere in her hurt, confused mind, she heard heaven, H-E-A-V-E-N. And she began to think about heaven. And then she began to think about God. And then she began to think about God's love for us that he would send Jesus to die for us on a cross and how God raised him from the dead. The next day, she told everyone she met, this is the day the Lord has made. The day after that, she told everyone she met, she said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Within six days, she is telling everyone she meets, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in five weeks, they released her from that mental sanitarium. And for the last 14 years, she's been a lead teacher in Southern California. God's word is powerful. 
God's word. You say, well, that's extreme, Alan. We got an extremely powerful God who's extremely good. And his words, when we get them in us, man. So, Alan, have you arrived? Is your thinking perfect? <laughs> no. No. But I know where to go. And I know what to do. That's why I wanted to teach you this morning. I want you to have a different year. I want you to have a different life. It won't just happen because you just try and you come to church enough. And one day God looks down at you and goes, bless their hearts. They have tried so much. Poof. And things get better. That's not how it works. But it does work. If you in your heart say, God, man, I, I want to live for you. I want a different life. I, 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 want, I want things to be different. I'm going to begin to think in line with what you say. If you say about me that I can do all things through Christ, I'm going I'm to I'm say the same thing. I'm going to think the same thing. God, if you say that I'm more than a conqueror because Jesus loved me, I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to think the same thing. If you say all things are possible with you, then I'm going to stop limiting myself to only what I can see and I'm going to see beyond that. Because you said it. I believe it. It'll be done. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Please, no one leaving or, or moving will be out of here in just a minute. But if you came today and you said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, I know that. He knows that. Or maybe you're in a situation today where you're saying, I, man, I, I made that decision one time and I, I walked away from the Lord and I've, I've been so far away, but I, I don't want to live far away. I want to come back. Maybe you just don't know. I, I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to know. We're going to say a simple prayer. It's so simple, but it's such a powerful prayer. It's a life changer. It's an eternity changer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come down to the front, but sitting right where you are in your chair, you're watching online, sitting right there, wherever you are. You say, you know what? I want in. I want to make sure that I know that I know. I want to come back. Would you pray for me? Quickly, shoot your hand up just across this auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate your courage. Anybody else say, that's me? That's me. Thank you. Wonderful. His hands have gone up all over. Thank you. You know, it takes humility. It takes courage. It takes the ability to do that. But such a powerful thing. Anybody else? We're going to pray. All right. You can put your hands down. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You're thinking, ah, I missed my chance. You did not miss your chance. God sees hands. He sees hearts. You can pray this prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Pray it out loud. You're watching online. Listen, you can, you can pray this. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. But we're going to join you as a church family. We're all going to pray it out loud together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now the heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that have prayed that prayer. Some have stepped right out of darkness into your marvelous spiritual light. Some have come back home. But Father, we rejoice with them at this decision and know that your potential and the possibilities that you have for them are immense. So we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you. Thank you for how your words can change our thinking and change our life we can truly have a different year. Thank you for your goodness. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.